Hey everyone, welcome to the Twenty Four Seven Marriage Podcast. I am Javier, and today I have a special guest with me. Um, so we don't typically have a special guest on the podcast. Uh, we've had a few, uh, but today, as you're listening in, I uh, hope you're having an amazing day. We are currently in. Um, I think I'm still in Arizona. Yeah, I am in Arizona, uh, and uh, we'll be headed actually to California. And uh, with the Marriage Lab and uh, a number of events in California, as then we head up through the West Coast and circle around to the Midwest, all that again. But anyways, uh, so good to have you. Hope you're having an amazing week uh, so far. Um, but I'm going to not you know, go too long here, and I'm going to introduce my special guest. My special guest, uh, I met this special person, um, gosh, I was like four, 13, 14 years old when I met this person. Mm-hmm. And um, she can't say anything yet. Hold on, Shannon. <laughs> Um, so when I met when I met uh, when I met this person, um, she short haired um, braces. Uh, she wore these things called slipper socks to school. I don't know what those were about, but that's what she did. And uh, yeah, she ran up and gave me a kiss in the cheek and then took off. So I figured this girl must like me. So I figured I just might as well stick with her because. Me walking around with a mullet and a trench coat wasn't getting me anything else. So I figured in junior high, hmm, this is it. And um, no, I. Uh, so my special guest uh, that I, we have here today um, is is the one and only Shannon Labrador, mm, my wife. A round of applause. <laughs> First of all, my socks had soles. It had Your a sock rubber. Has a soul. Mine have spirit. They they did look like socks, but they had a rubber sole. And they were very comfy, yeah, and they I'm only sure they sold were. them at Kmart, and they were yeah. amazing. And people probably don't know what Kmart is unless you're on the older side and you live in certain areas, but yeah. Kmart was worldwide, I think. No? I don't know, but oh. Kmart's no longer. No. Yeah. But anyways. Um, yeah, so the reason why I kind of introduced it that way is because I'm uh, going to have Shannon tell a little bit of her story. We've had people uh, ask at times, and... And, and the reason why we're doing this is it helps you understand a little bit more about us, um, but also our marriage story and why our first number of years were maybe difficult. Um, and again, this is not uh, all because of Shannon. We both contributed in those first number of years. Um, I would say more so Shannon. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's true. No, we both contributed. And, and the thing is with that. I really think that you're just trying to be nice because it's really not true. There really wasn't anything that you were doing wrong. No, there. I'm sure there's things I, oh, I did. I, I mean, honey, little things, honey. Just, but I, I was 19 years old. I'm I know. sorry, 20 when we got married. And so there's... But I, a bulk did, of the problems w- I did, was me. I did plenty wrong. And, and simply because I didn't know. Like yeah. when you know better, you do better. And I didn't know. And I just... I had a good sense of how to pursue and love you. And I had a good example. And um, I actually, I think at a young age, I was kind of a student of marriage. Like, how do I inherently like love and pursue? But I think as kind of as a empath and kind of how I was wired, like mm-hmm. that came naturally to me in terms of like, this is the person that I'm love and I'm going to, you know, this is how I'm going to treat them and this is how I'm going to respond. And, but yeah, so I think her story um, is important I, in, in the sense that it, it tells how our first five years took uh, or took place or unfolded. Um, it gives insight into a lot of the areas that um, over a period of time she, came to the surface for Shannon and she gained awareness of how that season of her life even impacted her into her marriage and mm-hmm. even um, in the last number of months gaining deeper revelation. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, these are things that she had to come to an awareness on her own. Mm-hmm. And it took almost 
30 years. years. Um, And and so you understand, and those things have improved for her, of course, and she's grown. um, But yet now coming to a point, you're like, seriously, God, 33 years later, and like I'm getting more revelation on this or awareness around this. Yeah. But it's super important to... Uh, to be patient in the process. Yeah. Um, but also it's just timing too, you know? And sometimes we don't get it because we're stubborn or we're hard-headed. We don't want to see it. Sometimes it's just the timing because you need people around you to help you, to help support you when you mm-hmm. do gain that awareness mm-hmm. or to help you process that, whatever it may mm-hmm. be. Um, so for those that are listening, it, this might end up being a, a two-parter. Um, so give them a high level. Um, and I don't interject if there's any important things. Oh, that, yeah. Because we tell the story, uh, you tell the story quite a bit. Well, I think um, it's important just for, um, so that people understand is that this season of my life before we were together, Javi was there around and then um, you were a part, you were a part of it going forward. Well, I was forward. there around yeah. beforehand yeah. and then this season happened for you and then I was then with you again yeah. after that. And... So yeah, so tell us a little bit about your story at the, uh, or what took place at the age of fifteen. Yeah, uh, so I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, we went to church every Sunday. Um, my mom and dad volunteered all the time. I was in youth group, and um, I loved God. I wanted to please God. I wanted to serve God, and um, you know. When you're 15, when you're a teenager, that those those tendencies and the the things of the world they just they come they come after you and they 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 show up. I can't even imagine being a teenager in today's culture and world. But back then it was just so big, and I had such a desire to like I want a boyfriend, I want somebody who belongs to me, and all the feels and the likes and the feelings that go along with that. And I ended up meeting a guy at school and... Okay, well, let's let's stop for a moment. So Shay and I met in junior high. We kind of went out in junior oh, you high. Wanted... We don't we don't really... Oh, I'm giving the backstory. Oh, we don't, okay. You don't really go out in junior high. So we were together, if you will, and then early high school a little bit, but then we were not. We were we like together. on the break. Yeah. So when you say you just found this guy, like you were in between in essence... Because we weren't yeah. together. Yes. So okay. we were in between. But and still feeling that need to be connected to yeah. somebody. So I, I met this guy. He was in 10th grade. I was in ninth, And it was a very short-lived, uh, I wouldn't even call it a romance, just a, no, fl- a fling. No, it was not. I don't even know <laughs> wow. a, f- a fling. No, it just, so continue. Javier, your face is uh, hilarious. So um, in February, um, I found out that... In February of 1989, I found out that I was pregnant, found myself at a um, a clinic, a county clinic, doing a test and um, realized that uh, it was confirmed and I was pregnant and I just went into panic mode and figured out the best way to get rid of this and make this all go away because if my parents found out I was going to be dead so I found an abortion clinic in the San Fernando Valley of Southern California, and then I was just trying to figure out, how does a 15-year-old get a hold of a couple thousand dollars, which is kind of hard. 
And long story short, I ended up t- my telling my brother, my older brother at the time, which he in turn took me home and told my parents. It was then that my parents contacted our youth pastor at our church and my youth pastor and his wife came over and she asked if she could take me to a crisis pregnancy center. And I had never been to one, didn't know about them. They are faith-based. They are called CPCs and they are um, all over the United States. And this was the beginning of kind of a long journey in my relationship with CPCs. But I went there and saw these plastic modules of the fetus in the womb. And it was, I just had this, what I call a God moment where I was like, this is a baby. This baby has a life and it's not for me to take away or terminate. And I walked out of there knowing that I would carry this baby to term, but I did not know what I would do after that. Like, so what point did you did you know and what and what happened? Um it was about a month or two later that my mom and dad said that uh my cousin, my older cousin and her husband who lived up north northern California already had two children and would like to know if I was open to the option of them adopting the baby. And for me I was like I kind of like that idea because then I would know that she was okay. I could finish high school. And the thought of adoption, just like you never, you just, you just, are you going to get a call in 18 years? Will you yeah. get a letter in the mail? Will you get an email? Like you just had no idea how well, that would a all fina- go down. It seems there's a finality to it, but this yeah. gave you the option of. Just kind of knowing she was okay and just being able to get a glimpse yeah. of her gr- her growing and up. And that season, that was, that was a. I don't want to say solution, but it was the best thing in front of you. Yeah. You got 15 to raise a child and it wasn't going to be with that guy, of course. No. And I felt like my mom and dad were kind of in a season where they maybe didn't want a baby in the house or that. I don't know. I just got the impression that 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 kind of like wasn't on their yeah on their radar to like help me raise a baby right now. So I kind of felt I had to find another option. So. So a quick backstory as you're listening, uh, I, I found out Shannon was pregnant. I found her in the library. I asked her, what can I do for you? And from that moment on, I basically would visit her at her home while she was there during the pregnancy. I was with her, was sitting, like talking, school, engaging, care. loving her, just being available. We weren't officially dating. We we're kind of like together, but we weren't really officially dating because she was in the middle, you know, she's pregnant. And but after, I kind of think it's frowned upon, Javi, that 15-year-old boys don't date pregnant high school girls. Yeah. Well, so you had to, <laughs> so when, after she had a carry, then we were together at that point moving yeah. forward. Um, so you made a decision to um, for uh, your cousin to mm-hmm. adopt Carrie. Yeah. So Carrie was born on November 15th, 1989 in Southern California. And it w- that same day, that next morning, um, Carrie was gone. Like they had come to pick her up and, and take her. So, um, it was, it was a quick turnaround. And up until then I had to talk to a social worker and I had to meet with my cousins. And, um, when you're planning all of that, you're, you're saying like, yes, I want to do this and I want to go through with this. Um, 
But in the midst of being in the hospital, there is a lot of like emotions that I, um, you, nobody can prepare you for. Yeah. So you had, you had all these emotions, but the, yeah. so Carrie, Carrie was adopted. And mm -hmm. so, and the interesting thing is like Carrie was adopted within the family, mm -hmm. which is very unique. And so you were part of Carrie's life, seeing her raised, you know, you, she knew his cousin Shannon until mm -hmm. she knew who her yeah. birth mom was, which, cause she wanted to find that out cause she's very inquisitive and she found that, you know, she was looking. And so they, they told her and we went up there and, mm -hmm. um, and she was super excited mm -hmm. and they have an incredible, beautiful relationship now. Yes. Um, have always have had, you know, the family does. And the reason, the reason why you're telling this part of the story is that this is that, that part of just restoration, hope, and redemption. So you might be listening to this right now, and maybe you found yourself in the same place, or maybe you went a different direction, and maybe mm -hmm. you, you walked out and you did have an abortion. Mm -hmm. um, there's no judgment at all. There's no— Absolutely um, not. Yeah, there doesn't shift anything. Um, this is just the story. You know, mm -hmm. we do believe in life, and, and so— the beauty of this is Carrie and her life and what has come from her life and four kids and mm -hmm. married. And I, when she got married, she came to live with us when she was 17. I officiated her wedding. Mm -hmm. Shannon was her maid of, honor, maid of honor and both our girls were in the wedding. So mm -hmm. it was a beautiful story of restoration of hope of God redeeming something pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but so they have that flash forward. Yeah. Now look. So, let's, so, you so want going. Me to, so, I'll fast forward to when we get when we're married. No. So back up. At that moment, you're having emotions and feelings. What kind of emotions and feelings did you have when you were giving Carrie up for adoption at that moment? Um, it was like literally. I can remember. I can remember every single detail of the delivery room because it was wasn't a um, typical like the way you deliver babies now, where you deliver in a a room that kind of feels like a, like more like a bedroom the way hospitals are now. So I was like in an operating room. It felt very cold and sterile and there was mirrors above me. So I could literally see everything that was happening, which is kind of gruesome. And I remember the moment she came out and you're just like flooded with, first of all, the, 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 the excruciating pain is immediately gone. So you're flooded with um, this, overwhelming sensation of like, I'm not in pain anymore from the labor. And then it was just like, like this overwhelming cry, like, like this cry came out of me and I was crying and you were happy and you were excited. And at that time I didn't know that Carrie was a girl. So I had never found out. So I, was just hoping she was not a boy because I really wanted her to be a girl. And then the doctor, you know, yelled, it's a girl. And I was just like, I knew it. And it was just all these emotions. And I, and I got to hold her and it just seemed like everything went fast forward after that. And then I was in a room and then I, I wanted to see the baby again. And they were like, well, you know, she's downstairs in the nursery. Cause I was far away from her. They, they didn't even put me on the maternity ward. I was on a cancer floor for some reason. So, um, I just remember it was like coming time for my cousin to take her home. And I was just kind of like, um, 
well, wait, like, can I just have some more time? Like, I just, I felt like everything was being rushed and I felt silenced and I felt like I didn't have a voice. So I just, I felt like I didn't know quite what to do. I just felt like I didn't have control. Like, I felt like I wasn't in control of the situation. Not that I needed to be, but I, uh, why didn't I speak up and be like, wait, I need more time or slow down. Like this is going too fast or I need time to think about this. I don't, in hindsight, I always ask myself, would I have changed my mind? I, I don't think that I would have. I just felt like everything was taken away from me. And I was like, I need, I wanted time to process and think. And I didn't feel like I had that time. Well, there's Does a, that there's make a, sense? Yeah, there's a part of that where, I, I mean, in, unless somebody's in that situation, they would understand that you can feel like you're losing control, that you have no control. And even though you have agreed and you're releasing that and you know it's the best decision to make and it's the best thing to do, and obviously it was, like your cousin and well, both would be your cousin, not cousin-in-law, right? Her husband, but we're not saying names just for the purpose of, you know, um, like in great life that she had, like oh, loving yeah. parents and siblings. Like I and, said, I don't, like, I don't no regret, regret I don't regret it. It's just in the moments in the hospital, I, I felt like if I, if I was to even speak up, would my mom and dad be upset with me? Would the other family be upset Would the doctor? Like, I was just worried everybody would be like, ah, Shannon, like, what are you doing? And I'm just like, I, I, I felt so paralyzed. Like it literally, it shakes me right now. I'm like trying not to cry about it, but. But she didn't cry about it. So it's this, it's this place that she composes herself. It's this place of feeling like, you know, you've made the right decision and you feel confident in that, but yet there's this place of that you're giving up something and maybe, you know, losing some control over some areas. And so, I mean, that was a, you know, as we, you know, now 30 years, almost 29 years of marriage, you know, but I've known Shannon since we were 15. Yeah. So it's been... Uh, a very long time of journeying together. Um, and now I'm, you know, the young age of 49. So you can put that together. And um, yeah, so we're, we're going to make this a two-parter. So do you want to add anything else before we close it out? Um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think that you said it all. And uh, part two will give me time to... <laughs> Um, stop crying. Compose and, yourself. Yeah. But, and, and the reason why I want you to tune in to part two or the reason why we want you to tune in is so that you understand, um, that was just, that's just a, a portion of the story, but leaving in this place of where she felt like maybe she didn't have control over certain things and how that played into our marriage, how it yeah. played into the awareness of things even later on, um, into our marriage. Yeah. Um, and, and it's important that we understand our family of origins and our history and our background, because that does have an impact as we enter into marriage, as we have been married for years, yeah. things can come to the surface or, and there could be things that we're aware of, which yeah. we were aware of this situation, of course. Um, but not fully how it impacted, uh, Shannon in those early years, years of marriage. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. 
again, thank you for tuning into the podcast. Um, continue to support. Uh, you can go to two, at 247marriage.org for a lot of information. Go to our website. We have boot camps coming up, uh, some workshops coming up as well. So make sure you are following us on Instagram, social media, all that good stuff. Um, but please continue to rate and review. Yeah. We need your support on this podcast. And uh, always remember, in marriage, you don't have to. You get to. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the 24-7 Marriage Podcast. Help us expand our reach by rating and leaving us a review on iTunes. Make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For more information on the work we do and how to support 24-7 Marriage, head on over to 247marriage.org and click on Partner With Us. Until next week, remember, in marriage you don't have to, you get to.